0: Hey, buddies. Hello, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based production company headed by yours truly. And uh, as of this recording, I have um, submitted a lady Hyde to uh, video did uh, such an old man here, to, for a uh, digital distribution, uh, so we have it up for sale for the distributors of, uh, you know, Hulu, Amazon, uh, Tubi, you know, all, all those uh, streaming stations, all the stuff on Roku and then Fire Stick and all that stuff. So we'll see who bids and offers and all that stuff and see where it goes from there. But yeah, so this will be the first uh, digital distribution film from Despervision. so I'm excited about that compared to uh, DVD releases in the past, which we'll still do for uh, Lady Hyde and Emmanuel and Sin City will do it, put it on disc, either DVD or uh, Blu-ray. But anyway, that's that on that end. So yeah, happy to announce that and going to go to Vegas here soon. And uh, I think I'm going to shoot some second unit footage um, on Fremont street and downtown Vegas to get a little bit extra stuff for Emmanuel. It doesn't need it, but I I just want to have some extra footage. It, Definitely will add to the film. So, why I'm there, why not take advantage of it? So, that's going to happen in the next few weeks. So, happy about that. And uh, that brings us now to this film uh, and this episode. Still in sync for the little while still. Uh, This is episode 106, film 106. And it is uh, Oasis of the Zombies. Uh, film that I've looked at on shelves for many years and never wanted to watch it because I've heard it's well back then I heard it was really bad but we'll see what I think i haven't watched it yet so uh there's two versions of this film of course the oasis of the zombie that came out uh, that was shot in 81 and then the um, the uh, spanish version that was shot about a year later um, with different actors and so but we'll we'll go over that when we get to it so All right, Uh, as we start this journey, of course, we always get the information, all the good dates, and all the stories behind the stuff from the author, Stephen Thrower, and the book, uh, This Stage of Franco's Career, it's Flowers of Perversions, Volume 2. We'll see if there's new updated versions of these books coming out soon, because it seems like they've been going in and out of print, so that makes me wonder. Sorry about that, microphone cord, all right. Oasis and the Zombies, Eurocene export title. Version 1, France, 1981. Version 2, Spain, 1982. Uh, original theatrical titles in countries of origin. Uh, version 1, Le Ebene de Mortes Vivantes, French Abyss of the Living Dead. Okay, so that's the real title, Abyss of the Living Dead, not Oasis of the Zombies. Version 2, uh, which is the DVD-R I have as well. Uh, is uh, La Tumba de los Muertos Viventes, Spanish, and that's Tomb of the Living Dead. Alternative titles uh, The Oasis of the Living Dead, the on screen title from a pre release export trailer. Uh, US video released it on DVD as Bloodsucking Nazi Zombies. Sounds like a trauma release, uh, but it's not. But yeah, it sounds like it. Um, Portugal, the video release is called uh, A Tumba dos Muertos Vivos. German DVD, Oasis de Zombies. VRA um, DVD. If that's, not, that's not Britain, but anyway. Uh, Oasis, Oasis dos Zombies. Oh, uh, Brazil. So yeah, Brazilian DVD. Uh, Portugal DVD is uh, Oasis dos Zombies. The French poster. Uh, it has it as Le Ebene De mortis Vivantes. Spanish. Le tumbas de la Muertes Vivantes. Okay, it's not the same over and over again. Shooting title, that's what I always like. Uh, Le Tresor de mortis Vivantes. Uh, well, that's a different one than all of them. Okay, interesting. Unconfirmed title. Uh, Desert of the Zombies. Abyss of the Living Dead. <laughs> of the Living Dead, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, so... Tomb of the Living Dead Yeah, Abyss of, of the Living Dead So That's interesting Version 1 is Abyss of the Living Dead And they have here as unconfirmed titles Abyss of the Living Dead from Germany <laughs> uh, Production Company the Version 1 is Eurocene uh, Production Company Version 2 is Marte Films International From Madrid uh, And Diasis PC in Madrid Theatrical distributors for volume version 1, uh, Eurocine, Paris, and theatrical distributor version 2, Arturo Marcos Trejor, Madrid. Sh- let's see, timeline, shooting date, volume 1, I keep saying volume version 1, circa December 1981 is when they shot this, right at the very end of 81. Uh, and then, of course, in November of 82, they shot version 2, which is uh, insert shots and other little things. Uh, visa issued on this, uh, March 24th, 82, France, April 21, 82, it played, unconfirmed, played Seville, August 5th, 83, and Barcelona, November 14th, 1983, uh, theatrical running time, France, unknown, Spain, 87 minutes, uh, let's see, video and Blu-ray running times, converted Oasis, uh. Let's see, U.S. Redemption Blu-ray is 85 minutes, and the uh, SP Divisa DVD is 87 minutes, 58 seconds. I think I have the um, Image DVD still. I haven't upgraded to the Blu-ray yet, and then I got the um, uh, Le Tumba de la Muertos Vivantes on DVD-R. All right, credits. Uh what was this? this is the Zombies. Director, Jess Franco. So here he's billed as uh, A.M.A.M. M. M. Frank. So yeah, he's A.M. Frank uh, Screenplay by Marius Lesur Who wants to copy Jess So he's A.L. Mauro uh, Director of Photography Juan solar Kozar, Wrongly credited to Max Montiel Production Manager uh, Daniel Lesur Assistant Director Daniel Johansson That's funny, so he had somebody over his shoulder That's, He never has assistant directors unless it's Lena Unless it's, yeah. Huh. Continuity, Elona uh, Consova, Chief Editor, Claude Gross, Sound, Clyde Prenier, Music, Daniel White. That's good. Production Secretary, Sylvia Perrot, Special Effects, Richard Green, Uncredited Producer, Maurice Lassure, Camera Assistant, Angel Ordales, Camera Operator, Jess Franco. That's good. So Franco was the Director and the Camera Operator. But he wasn't a second direct, uh, He but he wasn't director of photography or uh, any any, uh, any assistant director. And interesting. Okay, uh, cast for Oasis of the Zombies. Manuel Galen, he's uh, plays Robert Balbert. France Lome as France Jordan plays Erica Zanikin, the professor's daughter. Henry Lambert as Henry Lambert with a Y instead of an I plays Kurt um, Javier Me- Meza plays Je- as Jeff Montgomery plays Captain Blabert. Miriam Lanson plays Ingrid, Kurt's wife Eric Villard as Eric St. Just plays Ronald, Robert's friend and Caroline Adrott plays Sylvia, Robert's girlfriend all these people we'd never hear before so Interesting. Now we have uncredited, of course. Antonio Mayans, who we all know and love, plays the Sheik in this. Uh, Miguel Angel, Miguel Angel Arstu, as Jeff Montgomery, plays Ben slash Ahmed Roberts, Arab friend. Albino Graziani plays Professor Conrad Zenkin, Teodora Segura as Doris Regina plays Aisha the Sheikh's daughter. Juan Solar cozar is in it as well. He plays Francis the cameraman. That's an interesting role. Angel Ordales plays John the Soundman and French poster adds Christian Dragut. Credits for the La Tumba de La Tumba de Los Moretos Vivantes. Director, Jess Franco, as Jesus Franco. Story, Ramon Lelido. Screenplay, Jess Franco. Director, of Photography, Juan Solarkozar. Assistant, Camera, Angel Ordales. Production Manager, Antonio Mayans. Music, Daniel White. And Jess Franco. Music, Recording, Rasonic. Editor, Jess Franco. Assistant Editor, Lina Rome. Uncredited Producer. And then the cast is... Uh, Manuel Guilherme is the same. Edward Ferjardo the same who's different uh Antonio Mines a chic Miguel Theodore Segura Eric Villard okay so just well actually not that many difference camera huh interesting okay so here we go um I'm gonna leave out the synopsis I'll probably mm-hmm. read that before um even though it's really long i um, probably read that before the review. I have a guest reviewer on this episode, too, which you'll hear after the break. Um, Ragnar Tevet from Oslo, Norway, is joining me again, so uh, I give him the duty to uh, watch this film and see what he thinks. So, all right, let's do it. Production, comp- production notes. Having recently tried his hand at cannibal movies, Devil Hunter, the cannibals, and slasher films, Bloody Moon, it was inevitable that Franco would eventually be drawn to that most enduringly popular of horror subgenres, the zombie flick. Once again, Eurocene provided the impetus, pressing him to bash out a film in a currently popular style. In this case, aiming to join the flesh-eating bandwagon that followed in the wake of George Romero's *Dawn of the Dead* and Lucio Fulci's *1978* and Lucio Fulci's *Zombie Flesh Eaters* (1979), also known as *Zombie*. Eurocene had already scored a financial success by their standards at least with Zombies Lake or Zombie Lake nineteen eighty one, directed by Jean Rolin after Franco dropped out. For very little outlay, the film made a considerable amount of money at the box office across Europe, inspiring Eurosine's Marius Lassure to capitalize on the zombie trend again. First, he asked Jérôme Roland to shoot zombie inserts for Franco's independently produced Fever Dream, A Virgin Among the Living Dead, 1971, one of my favorite films, which Euroscene now owned. The new material was designed to bring Franco's elusive and poetic film into line with the early 80s post-Romero zombie craze. Although Roland's disinclination to take the assignment seriously meant that the inserts looked corny and ridiculous rather than horrific. Undeterred, Eurocene then pressured Franco to make a new film in the same vein, Oasis of the Zombies. Alright, review by Stephen Thor. One of Franco's most widely seen films, thanks to its long-standing presence on video and DVD, Oasis of the Zombies is also one of his least accomplished a bottom-scraping entry into the early 1980s zombie craze, reciting somewhere between Joe D'Amato's La Noche Erotic di Morte Vivente" Erotic Nights of the Living Dead, 1980, and Joel M. Reed's Night of the Zombies, 1981. That's a terrible film. Um, if the aim of the book is to turn more people on to just Franco, I cannot in good faith say anything to ameliorate the poor quality of this movie. On the other hand, if I'm addressing the converted, then it's fair to say that Oasis of the Zombies is capable of stirring affectionate feelings and bemused enjoyment. For those who were first seduced by European horror as it dominated the video racks in the early 80s, there's something absurdly endearing about Oasis of the Zombies from its high wandering around quotient, with camels even, (laughs) which I do a lot of wandering in my films, To its comical sense of being located just over the next sand dune from the real zombie action. Spanish horror achieved greatness twice in the zombie film cycle with Tombs of the Blind Dead, 1972, and The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, 1974, both of which are gloriously atmospheric and entertaining. Unfortunately, Franco cannot be said to have reached the same level. Oasis labors under multiple handicaps. It's terribly slow, there's not enough violence, and as a piece of storytelling, it struggles to convey its inconsequential plot. The sad fact is that Franco simply didn't care about this project and it shows. Alright. It's tempting just to rattle off a list of ridiculous moments. The attempt to zoom in on a piece of swastika emblazoned artillery where the camera work is so jittery it resembles footage shot under fire in a genuine war zone. The way the zombies emit sounds like a calypso percussion shaker. The same distinctly shuttered buildings used for two different locations. A man about to die of zombie inflicted wounds who painstakingly staggers around until he finds the pile of straw upon which he is unconvincing dummy will be burnt in the next scene. Like a dying chicken fluttering around a kitchen, only to drop dead in a strategically placed oven dish. The scene's biggest boo-boo, however, is the storytelling. Captain Blabbert's teenage son, Robert, is at college in the present day, the early 1980s, even though he's supposed to have been dur- been born during the Second World War, which is funny, so then he'd be in his 40s, <laughs> even allowing for the pl- possibility that he's supposed to be a mature student. The character would be 38 years old, and the actor may Manuel Gion was only 23 at the time. This is a major blunder, especially given an already garbled timeline that requires far too much attention for such meager dramatic rewards. Uh, Let's see. There's a lot of stuff here. Uh, I'm just going to go over the plot, which we'll go over as we do the review. Um... He says, uh, none of the characters re- react plausibly to their situation, which is perhaps not surprising given how lacking in detail their motivations are, as uh, film. Okay. Um, one department in which the film does deliver it is in its range of Google or Goggle-eyed zombies. Some of the creatures are similar to those seen in Andrea Bianchi's Burial Ground, 1981, and Marino... Girolami's Zombie Holocaust, 1980, while others have a strange, fibrous, sandblasted quality all their own, and in deference to Lucio Fulci's zombies, it's good to see a few worms squirming around in that facial mulch. The zombies should have popped up ten times more often, but at least the last few minutes pay off with a sustained zombie attack on the teenager's Major flesh wounds may be out of the question, requiring more time and money than Franco could afford to spend, but at least the irresequent screaming, running, and dying takes place. Franco even creates a few shots of zombies silhouetted along the horizon as of the dunes, which are so lovely you wish he could achieve the same pictorial beauty throughout. On the downside, one of the zombies falls victim to Franco's extreme disregard for plausible illusion. A particularly rattled zombie face, seen in numerous cutaway shots, is not even a prosthetic at all. Instead, it's just a sculpture hoisted on the end of a stick and poked into shot from behind. The fact that we can <laughs> the fact that we can see the stick where it joins the underside of the skull—can't even be explained away as incorrect matting. It remains visible in the widescreen version from Redemption. See seventy minutes forty-four seconds. In the early eighties that's really bad. In the early nineteen eighties, Italian director Lucio Fulci was King of the Zombies and his quadrilogy of Walking Dead Tales, Zombie, City of the Living Dead, The Beyond, and House by the Cemetery still attracts adoring films fans today. And I am one of them. Uh, Oasis of the Zombies, let's be honest, is unlikely to achieve the same popularity. Franco's disdain for gore and scenes, Eurocine, meager budgeting means that the film lacks the violent impact required to excite most horror fans. A commitment to frequent, explicit gore would have given Oasis much greater credibility at a time when shockers like Umberto Lindsay's daft but vastly entertaining Nightmare City... Or Bruno Matai's dopey but gloopy a zombie creeping flesh were ranking were raking in the cash worldwide. What Oasis needs is a quite simple: more zombies, more flesh eating, more gory deaths. Add the magic ingredients, and although the flaws would still be there, they'd be a lot easier to forgive. A simple commercial logic to which Franco seems manningly oblivious. Following on from his similarly unenthusiastic cannibal films. Oasis of the Zombies is another example of Franco cutting himself off from a lucrative source of box office revenue while stubbornly refusing to vacate the subgenre. However, as cheap and shoddy and careless as Oasis of the Zombies undoubtedly is, there's still something lovable about it. It's complete trash, but it's still some kind of fun, although almost despite the director's impatience. Franco, however, always disliked the film, indeed the subgenre itself, and scorned the father of the modern day zombie film, George Romero. This part I don't care for, but. So he, Franco says, I don't like George Romero. I tell you frankly, I think he's too primitive. I think he doesn't enter into the heart of the story. He stays around it. In principle, I must tell you some things. I don't like The Living Dead at all, because they're silly. The Living Dead. They're dead. So they're silly. As silly as vampires, perhaps, one suspects that it's the absence of a sex life that makes zombies unappealing to this most carnally fixated of auteurs. That's just interesting. As for those odd remarks about Romero staying outside of his subject and not entering into the heart of the story, they sound to me like a defensive reaction against Romero's insistence on social context. In films like Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, Romero reveals characters in the wider context of social interaction. Indeed, for Romero, the heart of his stories is precisely the social sphere, not the private psychopathology of his characters, and not the director's own sexual fantasy world. This points to a profound profound philosophical difference between the two directors, and for my money, there's more. There's room in heaven and earth for both. Amen. But to call Romero primitive is foolish at best. One could counter that Franco's slapistic world of sexual fantasy is more primitive, inasmuch as it denies social reality and remains at the level of infantile self-gratification. I hesitate to accuse Franco of projection in these remarks, but he's seriously off the mark here. On the contrary, Romero was an extremely sophisticated and thoughtful director whose engagement with his subject matter could not be less primitive, nor for that matter was it as cold or uncommitted as Franco seems to imply. Uh, Cast and crew. Henry Lambert, a minor stalwart of French cinema whose bit-part career in the 1970s led him to Eurochain, gives a spirited performance as greedy, cowardly Kurt, especially when he's succumbing to the zombie infection. Oasis isn't a film that many actors would include on their CV, but it didn't jinx the career of young Manuel Chilin, who plays Robert. He went on to a busy career in French film and TV, which continues to this day. Likewise, Eric Villard, who plays handsome young Ronald in the film, he started he starred in Eric Romer's L'Ami de Mon Ami, 1987 and remains a familiar face on French TV. For the Spanish version, Lena Romay dubs one of the girls at the Oasis in the opening scene. Uh, music. Oasis of the Zombies uses a mixture of Daniel White library music, library tracks, and some newer recordings which the composer made especially for Franco. As the film begins, we hear Arabian Desert uh, from Mood Music Collection Number no. 1 Cocktail, a rare Daniel White library record on the Magnotus music label, after which the credits roll over reflect the Artifact Nord from White's album Music Poor. Later we hear The Young Travelers uh, from White's. Ba-ba-ba-bas. Okay. Um, in La Tumba de la Morte Verges, we're treated, as said, to a selection of music from Akumba Sexual and Devil Hunter, which I, that sounds better to me. Uh, locations uh, Gran Canaria. Uh, the setting for the Sheik's opulent residence, which can be also seen briefly in El Pelo del Fuego, is Christopher Columbus's house at Calle Colón 1 in Las Palmas. It has long been a museum dedicated to the famous explorer who is reputed to have stayed there and wrote to the Caribbean. UK theatrical releases None. Oasis of the Zombies was released on UK video by Filmland and was one of four titles by Franco to be included on the director of Section 3 list of 93 films, although it was not one of the final list of 39 video nasties banned in the UK. Connections. Like the Cannibals, Oasis of the Zombies is thin gruel compared to the grisly and confrontational Italian films which inspired it. Certainly, when it comes to the horror of death and decay, Franco's threadbare film is no match for the surreal shockers of Lucio Fulci. Even the zombie films of Marino Girolami, Zombie Holocaust, Bruno Matai, Zombie Creeping Flesh, and Andrea Bianchi, Burial Ground, outclass this tatty and unconvincing effort. Blabbert's wartime scenes are spliced in from Alfredo Rizzo's I Giardini del Diavolo, 1971 in which three escaped prisoners persuade an Allied desert patrol in North Africa to follow them in their quest for the for the tomb of a wealthy pharaoh, which they hope to find using a stolen treasure map. As well as providing numerous shots of machine gun toting soldiers fighting at the desert oasis, Rizzo's film also seems to have inspired the storyline of Oasis of the Zombies, notably the treasure map and the suggested alliance between a Nazi and an allied captain. It's highly likely that the expensive-looking Rizzo footage which Euroscene had acquired for archival use actually determined the plot and Oasis setting of Franco's movie, in case of the stock footage wagging the dog. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, Doctor Who trivia hounds will be startled at 70 minutes, 16 seconds on the Redemption Blu-ray by a sound effect from the Doctor's brief visit to... Metabellus Three and the Green Death, 1973. The name Erica von Zenken is an obvious pun on Erika von Danken, whose many books claim the man many books claiming that man was born of extraterrestrial ancestors were a staple of airport paperbacks, racks in the seventies and eighties. Uh, Nazi zombies had something of a surge in popularity in the early nineteen eighties, with Zombies Lake, Oasis of the Zombies, and Joel the American Joel reads Reed's Night of the Zombies, all turning up in 81. The impetus appears to have been Ken Weiderhorn's the effective shockwaves, that's what I was going to say, in 1977, which starred Peter Cushing as an ex-Nazi commander for who, during the war, was put in charge of the Death Corps, a group of zombified soldiers designed to survive underwater. At the end of the war, he sank the ship on which the zombies were kept, but the creatures continued living under the sea, occasionally submerging to terrorize people on a nearby island. The underwater Nazi motif heavily influenced EuroScene's Zombie Lake, Zombies Lake 81, which undead Nazi corpses emerge from the water in scenes clearly inspired by Horns film. The Nazis in Zombie Lake are strangely soulful and introspective, and in the treatment of and in the treatment of its Nazis, ghouls, Oasis also seems, if not sympathetic, then oddly casual. They return from the dead to protect a cache of looted treasure, and the victims are those who would steal, from, it, steal f- from the Oasis where the soldiers made their last stand. Their ex-commanding officer, Shades of Peter Cushing and Shockwaves, returns many years later to try and steal the loot, but pays with his life when his former underlings turn on him. As for the son of a British captain who comes looking for the treasure, the Nazis rise from their graves to see off the student marauder who must leave empty-handed. It's almost as if we're meant to find the Nazis sympathetic, as they prevent the upstart grave robbers from stealing their treasure. Yet, giving that, yet given that Nazi gold tended to be stolen from Jewish victims, it's hard to get stirred up about the noble, Nazi cause, not noble zombie cause. Yeah, exactly. In the Spanish version of Oasis, the locals who burn Kurt's corpse tell Robert's party that the Oasis in the, is the home of a death squadron which attacks anyone who comes n- near. A clear reference to the death corpse and shockwaves. Marius Lassueur, who was 29 when the Germans invaded France in World War II, evidently had a morbid fascination for the Nazi period, as can be seen from the plethora of Eurochain productions dealing with it. Uh, train's Special pour SS, 1977. Elsa Fraulein, SS, 1977. Helga La Louve de Sterberg, 1978. Convoy de Felice, 1978. Le Gardinis de Pinchichier, 1979. And Commando uh, Mengele, 1987. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, he would tempt Franco back to the topic in the late 1980s. Uh, with full, Fall of the Eagles, 1989, a wartime drama about a power struggle in rich German family. Um, other versions, there are two distinct versions of the film, the original French release, Abyss of the Living Dead, from which the English-language oasis of the zombies is obtained, and a substantially different Spanish-language version called the Tumba de los Muertos Viventes, Tomb of the Living Dead. So, how did this come about? Sometime after Le, uh after Abyss of the Living Dead was completed, Franco and York scene secured a deal with Marta Films in Spain to release a version for the Spanish market. In order to benefit from tax credit arrangements, certain scenes were reshot with Spanish actors in place of the French. Uh, Eduardo Fajardo replaced Henry Lambert, and Lena Romay replaced Miriam Lanson, which meant a remount of numerous scenes, including character's introduction in the first reel, the death of Kurt and his wife. Uh, Franco then edited the newly shot sequences into the original and rescored the film entirely to create La Tumba de Muertes Viventes. Um, okay. Franco used some skillful cutting and editing of reaction shots to hide the fact that the rest of the cast were not present. Some critics have argued that Franco shot the Spanish version at the same time as the French version. However, it seems to me more likely... The reshoots for Tumba were cons- conducted a year later in 82 during the filming of The Diamonds of Kilimanjaro, which was made in Gran Canaria on some of the same locations as Oasis of the Zombies, and which also starred Amasa and Graziani. Uh, she, Graziani even wears the same hat and the same short-sleeved sun jacket. Details such as the changing color of Blackbird's mustache and the fact that he's wearing different trousers helped establish that the two versions were not shot at the same time. Likewise, the treasure map, uh, the argument is different. It's a real map of the French version, and a bogus sheet of paper in the Spanish, which strongly suggests the new scenes were filmed during a different production period. Um, with the introduction of the teenage cast, the two films fall into sync for a while. The Spanish version has a lot more voiceover narrative. The uh, Spanish version has the party run a adri- Okay. Um, he's kind of going over just the differences in the scenes. Um, Not all the changes work. In the Spanish films' favor, the encounter between the teenage cast and the deranged Kurt is more dramatic and effective than the original French version and Lambert's performance is more convincing than Fajardo's and the zombie's attack on Lina Romay is less grisly than the attack on Lanston and Levine. Um, At some point after the original location shoot, a studio session had taken place in Paris to add extra material. Three scenes were extended. Uh, one, two... Um, death of Kurt's Wife, the love scene between Eric and Ronald, and the zombie attack on Erica. Um, different actresses. Okay. Continu- Continuity is fairly matched between the location shots, the inserts, uh, the only slight error is a belt she wears in her cut-off jeans, plain white location footage striped in the inserts. Um... The Spanish version dispenses with all these insert sequences except for a brief shot from the beginning of the love scene with the actors embracing fully clothed. The Spanish producers presumably wanted a horror film with no sex that would be playable for young audiences, 14 and over. Why did Franco remove all these pair shot inserts? Perhaps because they simply presented themselves as easy to remove given that they were later added anyways. Or maybe Franco disliked them because he hadn't shot them himself. It's entirely possible that these brief sex and gore inserts had been filmed by someone else at Maurice LeSueur's insistence, at which case Franco probably took great pleasure in snipping them out again. As um <laughs> there we go. As the teenagers fight the zombies with fire during the final confrontation, one boy shouts, Molotov cocktails like at college... This is another attempt to sort out the original film's absurd chronologic chronolo, chronologically, films absurd you know, chronology. The words bring to mind the French student riots and campus violence of 1968, not the early 80s. So perhaps Franco was trying to suggest the story is taking place in the late 60s. If so, this would make Robert Blabert possible 23-year-old during the present-day action. Of course, the fashion's early 80s. There's no pointers to the 60s in the dialogue, but the reference to student protest does at least indicate that Frank was trying to correct a problem that genuinely bugged him. So, all right, well, that's what they got written on that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch it, so see how it is. Uh, if you like this film, this, this film, if you like this film, too, but if you like this podcast, if you like the work I do, if you dig the show, and if you listen every week, please consider donating. I would appreciate it. Uh, either a one-time donation or a reoccurring um, setup on the uh, Red Circle site uh, that this show is on. Check it out. Also, um, download episodes and subscribe to it. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. We're on all your favorite listening platforms. Look up the Franco Observer and you'll find us there. We're on at least a dozen or so. So, uh, If you like it, too, just tell, tell friends about it. Let people know about the show. Uh, I would always appreciate it to always have more listeners. We have our certain average that we're at and uh, we stay in that ballpark some months better than others. But uh, if we can add on to that and maybe double it, it would be even better. Because like I said, it's all free. It doesn't cost you anything. So you can pass the word and let others learn about Jess Franco and all these films. Because I've also went through uh, over a day or two and retitled all the episodes. now, So when you look them up, on the site, uh, they'll all be episode, like, say, uh, episode 32 and then the title of the film, so you can navigate much easier. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always email us at FrancoObserver at yahoo.com. Once again, FrancoObserver at yahoo.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us at Facebook or Instagram on the Franco Observer podcast page, and, uh, see all the news and get a hold of us, all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, hang out past the bumper music and, uh, I'll be doing a zoom review from Sacramento, California, all the way to Oslo, Norway to, um, talk again with returning guest reviewer, Ragnar Tevit, And, uh, we'll see what he has to say about Oasis of the zombies. Buenas noches, Maha. All
1: right, we are back on episode one oh six, film one oh six, Oasis of the Zombies. And joining me today on this episode and on this film is our friend and guest reviewer from Oslo, Norway, Mr. Ragnar. How are you doing today, Ragnar?
2: I'm doing great.
1: Very, very good. Yeah. Um, So, uh, this is the first time I'd watched this film. Had you seen this film before?
2: No. First time.
1: And what did you think?
2: Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Of course, it's not a great movie, but uh, it's okay. And and it's have its moments.
1: Yes, it was much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I'd always seen this movie on the video shelves, VHS, you know, over the years, and DVD. People always used to laugh and say, oh, this movie's a bad zombie movie, and don't watch this one, and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. you know. And I, 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 so I went into it today, watch, thinking, oh, this is going to be whatever, and I'll find a few good things. But no, I was really entertained all the way through. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, it's got not the usual Franco stuff, but it's a regular movie, movie, and it's got a story, and and there's some mm-hmm. good stuff to it. So yeah, yeah, I really, really liked it. You know, uh, it's not one of my favorites, but I thought it was good, and I would watch it again. You know.
2: Yeah. It's better than I expected. I heard some rumors that it was horrible. But it's not. It's not.
1: Yeah, most people always put it like at the bottom of the list of the the of the zombie movies out there for this time no. frame, you know. But yeah, no, I, I I've seen much worse and I thought I thought it was good, you know. So yeah, I mm-hmm. the plane. So, um okay, well I'm gonna um I watched the D V D from Image that was put out about twenty years ago. This yeah. one I haven't got I watched, the Blu-ray yet, but I liked this copy.
2: Yeah, I got it. Uh, I got the English version, the uh, English release. Okay. Did you the, the, Blu- the Blu-ray or the DVD? The DVD. Okay. DVD.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, from which company?
2: Uh, Screenbound.
1: Oh, okay. That's a that must be a um, from a different country then.
2: Uh, English, I think.
1: Yeah. Okay. Because I got mm-hmm. the image one, which is like. Uh, I think Image was bought out by Kino later on, you know, but this is from mm-hmm. like about 20 years ago, this copy. And mm-hmm. um, this copy had a lot of like splices and white circles and a lot of, you know, dust and debris in the copy. How did yours That's, look about the same?
2: Uh, uh, the, 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 st- the, the stuff that Franco shot w- looks pristine, but uh, the stock footage was not good.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that stuff, all the all the battle stuff. But I meant just overall the quality because mine had a lot of like splices and white dirt, and when the reel changes, it had little circles in the corners. So they must have cleaned it up since then.
2: Yeah, mine is pristine. Wow. Okay. Good. Good. Very cool. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that's cool. Yeah. That's one thing that I liked about this is that it had that grindhouse kind of look, you know, in certain parts. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna read the. Um the synopsis in the Stephen Thrower book is very, 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 very long. So I'm just going to read this one off here and then go okay. into the show and talk to you about yeah. it.
2: Yeah.
1: So this says, um, Robert, a student at an English university, receives word of his father's unexpected death and returns home to Africa. While reading his father's diaries in search of an explanation, He discovers the story of his father's wartime romance with Aisha, a sheik's daughter who nursed him back to health after he survived a commando attack in the desert, and who later died after giving birth to their son. Now, engaged in a personal odyssey of self-discovery, Robert reads on and learns of the obsession that led to his father's death, $6 million in Nazi gold that remains buried at an oasis in the Sahara Desert. A fortune, that legend has it, is safeguarded by the restless, rotting souls who die protecting it. Using his inheritance, Robert bands together with three fellow students and a filmmaking unit to wrest the unclaimed fortune from the dunes of the dead. Directed by A.M. Frank, which is pretty funny.
2: Yeah, he didn't take the credit.
1: No, but um, on the copy, the... The copy I watched it says directed by A.M. Frank and then in parentheses Jess Franco under oh. the
2: name. Okay, um, mine just A.M. A- A. Frank.
1: Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, that's cool. These are different little uh, changes than in the in the presentation. Yeah. Good, good, good. That's that's very cool. Um, so yeah, reading that, it's interesting. It's almost like the English patient. You know, zombies or something, you know, the wartime romance, and they had the kid and the couple and stuff, you know.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was
1: laughing thinking about that because I didn't expect all that. I expected just people going into the desert, Nazi zombies, um, you know, some stupid stuff, some really silly looking things, and that would be it. But that wasn't that way at all. There was a good story. Uh, It opens up with the sand dunes. And we see a body of water and the palm trees. And it's really different. It starts off with these two beautiful girls that are in this orange Jeep. Oh. And uh, one of them is wearing the cut-off shorts. So in this period, every Franco film, one of the main girls is wearing cut-off shorts. Lena is wearing these really cut, cut-off ones in Wakuma uh, in, uh, Sexual and... Uh, uh, and uh, Night of Open Sex and the film before that, too. And in this one, the main girls is wearing those same cutoffs. So, Franco liked the very short shorts in this time period, you know. Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so we see these two girls and they get out of the Jeep and uh, we have this really good organ music. And we see they're looking around, and a girl sees all the Nazi symbols and the palm leaves over it. She starts to mess with one of the things, and the zombies come up and kill the two girls. Yeah, that, that's totally different than the rest of the movie, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the zombies—you you—you mainly see them the last ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. you see the zombies. Yeah, the
1: the whole the whole end part is about fourteen fifteen minutes when the whole everybody comes up and starts attacking. I mean, there are yeah. some zombies throughout the film, though. I was thinking that too, and there yeah. is yeah. like one or two that come out and kill, and you know, which is fine. It's it's not a crazy over zombies everywhere, you know, thing. Um, But uh, so then we see kind of uh, this German officer with a woman, and he meets the guy who turns out to be Robert's father, the guy with the mustache, and he shows him on the map where the Oasis is. And the German officer has, uh, I thought it was a good special effect by Franco, and it's a cheap thing. It's just a pin. And he he can click it four or five times, and then he stabs her in the hand and clicks it. And right there, our mind goes, "Oh, there's probably poison in this pin, or or there's oh. some kind of uh, b- uh, bad stuff that will make him die." And it's just a cheap thing. It's a very good practical effect, you know.
2: Yeah, very very simple, but very effective.
1: Yeah, very creative. I thought I saw. Oh. I was like, "Oh, that's a good idea." You know, uh, I, I like that. He stabs the guy's hand, and double crosses him, and then him and the lady leave. And uh, so then we see. Um, Uh, It cuts the Big Ben footage in London, and we see his son with their friends. He finds out his father had died. And so then he uh, goes back and reads his father's notes. And this is where we go to the footage that's from another film uh, from the 70s, which I had talked about in the the beginning before I got on board with you in the the, uh, 20 minutes or so where I talk about the film. They talk yeah. about the footage where that film is from, and we see all this footage, which you talk about, the colors don't match in the footage,
2: no, no. between so
1: very, that stuff and now.
2: Yeah, very obvious, that it's stock footage.
1: Yeah. He does yeah. a good job staging it, though, With you see the guy with the mustache shooting, and then the other footage of the guy's falling, and he, he kind of yeah. cuts it together pretty good, but you could still tell the difference with the colors. Yeah.
2: Well, it's a nice, nice effect that the, 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 the it doesn't uh, do do anything wrong. I, I liked it.
1: Yes, is same, and also another point to the creativity of that, because that looked very good with all the tanks and all the extra actors, and that would have cost a lot of money to, yeah. to film. But they ended up just buying the footage from another film and just cut it out and put it into their movie and saved all that money, which is very very smart.
2: Yeah, and I guess scene didn't have that big budgets so no. it so that, that's a smart move
1: yeah it is it is and it's funny that he did euro scene as with this film because right now he's in his gold gold films period where huh? he had done the last few movies macomb the and night of open sex and those so i don't know if this is a deal they cut together or what because right around this time of this film coming out is you know 81 they made it 82 it came out and they made it to cash in on zombie and and all the yeah. other burial ground movies coming out the zombie stuff and they had also euro had bought um uh, uh a virgin among living dead at that time and that's when they filmed the zombie footage to by jean roland to put into that movie right around the time this film came out you know so they were trying to do all the zombie stuff
2: it was very popular with zombies in the late 70s, early 80s. So yes. Perfect time.
1: So they're, so they're a smart company. They want to make money. So they figured, oh, let's do this. And Franco wasn't really on board, but I think he did a good job on it. And the and zombies look good. And, and there's some good stuff in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, also, too, what reminded me of this footage, too, because this is about 81, 82. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 1981. And in that, yeah. you have the German soldiers... Uh, during World War two out in the desert trying to find the gold or the lost Ark and in this there's Germans out in the desert with the world war two footage and some of it kind of reminded me of like a readers of the lost Ark kind of uh like it could take place in that same area you know yeah but just a little different so they're trying to also cash in on that I felt I haven't read that nowhere but that's just my um, opinion you know
2: yeah, yeah. I agree. and, uh, and-
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it makes sense. Um, And then we see um, one of the finally we see a a Jess Franco actor, um, uh, Robert Foster, um, Antonio Mayans as the Sheik, and he has no mustache in the old footage, and then and then later on he has his mustache back. So he must have did the ending first and then shaved his mustache and then filmed the earlier stuff.
2: Yeah, I I noticed the mustache. It was missing in some earlier scenes and and the later ones. He had it.
1: Yeah, which is good to show time passage. But it's funny to see him without his mustache because I first saw him, I go, whoa, he shaped his mustache. You know, because he had a big mustache oh. in the last few films. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny. Um, so uh, so then finally we have uh, as a Jess Franco f- film. This is interesting because we finally get our first nudity in the film, and it's twenty six minutes in. Usually yeah, it's was, like thirty seconds or a minute or something, you know.
2: Yeah, I was surprised by the there was so little nudity. Yeah, in this movie, the, uh, the typical Franco. It's it's the first thing you see. It's called kind of nudity.
1: Exactly, because in here it, it takes a long time. But then after that, there's a couple more new scenes later on. You know, just for yeah. silliness. You know, but, but but it takes a while to get the first one. It's funny. Um, And then, uh, so I found that, and it's with uh, uh, Aisha, who is the Sheik's daughter. And when I was watching it, at first I thought it was his wife, and then when I read it, I realized it was his daughter, because I couldn't tell, you know, um, how it was cut together. But, yeah. And then also, too, um, 34 minutes in, or no, actually, uh, before that, um, we have, uh, whenever you notice the Oasis, they always have the wind sound effects and the palm trees, which I thought was funny. And 34 minutes into the film, we get our first zombie we see, uh, besides the, the hands in the beginning and the, the one oh. the that pops up, you know, we see our first zombie and then we see three more and they attack, uh, they kill the German officer and the woman and all of them when they camp out and, and, and uh, do all that. But it's funny, before that, they're setting up camp. The German officer and the woman go into the tent. The two guys walk around. And it's supposed to be the middle of the night but the uh, sun is out and the sky yeah. is blue, you know.
2: Yeah, I noticed and I loved. <laughs> it was uh, hilarious. Yeah, that <laughs> happens
1: quite a bit in this movie. All through the movie, it's supposed to be night and you can see the sun up. And then when it's supposed to be sunrise, then you see the sun in the sky in a different color, but it's very humorous, you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> funny. I love.
1: Yeah, you, you see that quite a bit. I was laughing. I was like, oh boy. Um, so then, uh, so after the, You see the guy being a coward because he killed the guy with a pin in the beginning and fled. And then his girlfriend gets eaten by the zombies, and he gets in the Jeep and tries to drive away. And the zombie starts biting his neck. And he's screaming, oh, it's the living dead, the living dead. And that was them trying to say, like, Night of the Living Dead. They're trying to get that in there, you
2: know. Okay, cool. I didn't uh, think about it.
1: Yeah, and also, too, one of the first zombies we see of the three, nobody's pointed it out yet, but the zombie looks like Morpho. Because okay, he has the yeah. uh, skin around his eyes and just the little teeny hole in each eyeball that yeah. like Morpho has.
2: He has a, yes, we didn't mention it. Oh, yeah. oh okay.
1: Yeah, and you, show, and you see him close up. And I thought about yeah. it because Morpho is kind of a dead person that he brought back to life anyway in Dr. Orloff and all those. He's, he's you know, um, reanimating the dead or, or making a thing. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a zombie. And, and that's his kind of saying, well, I've done zombies before. Here's Morpho. And one thing I liked about this film is all the different styles of zombies. You had Morpho. You had a, a Fulci one with the with the worm crawling out of the eye from zombie. You had uh, the big-eyed ones from the Italian zombie movies with the bulging eyeballs like uh, uh, Night of Terror, I think it was, or uh, the one where they run all the time, the Andrea Bianchi one. Uh, I forgot what that title is, but that oh, one. Bar- okay.
2: Barrelground. Yeah, Barrel yeah,
1: ground. Uh, yeah. And 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 you have a lot of a couple different styles of zombies. It's not just one thing. You have some with the with the skin stretched, with like the kind of the egg yolk effect, you know. Uh, so it's it's cool. Franco did he didn't just do one zombie style. You see some with like white face paint, kind of, and weird looking stuff. So I thought that was yeah. very interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was surprised by the movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard I heard so much trash about it on, online. Same the people, yeah. yeah.
1: It's almost like, and this is a good lesson for me that you shouldn't always believe what you hear. You should check it out yourself and watch it and see if it's good or bad. You know.
2: Yeah. Oh. Make your own opinion about it. I exactly. And
1: and, it. and I learned that going. Wow. And and sometimes some of my favorite Jess Franco films are ones that I go into with lower expectations, and they turned out really good. I'm like, wow, that was really good, and I'm I'm very surprised. And those are always better than to hear, Oh, this is very, really good. And you watch and you go, Oh, it was okay. You know? Yeah. So, um, then we have, um, we see a character introduced as the professor and his daughter, and he's, uh, Albino Graziani. And he was in, um, either kiss me killer or, uh, the red lips one right before that. He's the, their agent friend with a hat that waits out by the car. And then he's also in uh, Night of Open Sex right before this. So this mm-hmm. is like his third or fourth Just Franco film, the guy with the little goatee, the professor. Uh,
2: I noticed another Franco regular from that period, um, Juan Soler, 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 Soler. Yeah, Juan Solar. he
1: plays the cameraman.
2: Yeah, yeah I noticed his, him.
1: Yeah, but also, too, one of my favorites is um, – the guy uh, and Callie, uh, so Callie had mentioned. Um, she called him the Will Ferrell looking guy, and he was in Macumba Sexual as one of uh, her her pets. He's got okay. kind of a uh, afro, and in this one, he's got a big beard, and he's one of the monks or priests that burn the German guy's body.
2: Okay. And he
1: says, "Oh, they have to burn in order to go back to the ground." He's got the big beard, and there is a. It's a really cool scene, but. Yeah, he's a Franco regular. He's in Night of Open Sex, Macumba Sexual, this film and he's in a few films before. And I think he's in about 10 or 12 just Franco films.
2: Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's an interesting actor. I have to find his name, but uh so yeah, he's in it. Um and uh then we have uh the professor's daughter has a topless swim with uh, one of the college guys she finds attractive, another nude scene they threw in there. Oh, and then I thought too, um the main character uh, Robert, his girlfriend, um, her name is uh, um, Sylvia. Uh, mm. The actress's name is um, Caroline Adrette. And I thought she looked like uh, Christina Von Blanc. The yeah. long, straight hair, the brown hair girl that was kind of scared and real thin. I thought she looked like her from Virgin Among the Living Dead. yeah which is interesting because that's another zombie movie they did this stuff for. So that's kind of weird, you know, Yeah, yeah. but yeah, she looked like her and she was wearing the jeans jacket and the jeans, black jeans, shorts, and the white cowboy boots. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, and then we have, um, uh, the blonde woman, Erica and the student, uh, they go in the tent and you see her topless again. So she's already topless and there's, in the swimming scene, and now the tent. So Franco made sure he got a couple topless scenes out of this actress a few times. It's funny. Um, is that? And then we have um, while well, that's going on. Like we talk about, this is the last fifteen minutes where uh, you hear the, the the zombies start to raise because the guy pulls a stick out of the ground and that gets all the zombies together. The ones we have seen that were killed earlier, the filmmaking crew and the other victims, the German guy and stuff, they all rise along with all the other ones that are buried in there. And uh, but we hear a mix for the zombie sounds. You almost hear a mix of lions, winds, and animal sounds, and a almost like a stick going up and down a comb, making that.
2: Yeah, I don't. Sound
1: very, very interesting sounds for the zombies. Yeah, on the ground. Yeah.
2: I liked it. Uh, I, I was surprised by that sound. It was uh, special.
1: Yeah, very creepy and very yeah. scary. I thought, "Oh, this is very cheaply done." And as a filmmaker, I can go, "Oh, that's this sound. That's this sound. That's this sound." But if you just have your suspension of disbelief and watch it, like with all movies, it's very, very cool and very, very,
2: very well done. You know? Yeah, I liked it. The uh, the setting in the desert. It was uh, yeah with zombies in coming from the desert. It was very atmospheric. Uh, yeah, there
1: are a few zombie films that are in the desert, not a lot, but it's a mm-hmm. it's a different it's almost a different subgenre of zombie films. You have like zombies in the country, zombies in the city, zombies in the desert, zombies, you know, in the swamps and mm-hmm. different movies that have that setting, you know. But uh yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely like this the, it was very easy to do. You could see just the hand coming out of the desert where it would be at an angle or something, and it's not very hard to do, and he would dig a little bit, and the guys would come out of the ground, and it looked very, very good, you know, and, and very different.
2: But I guess he had a very small budget, and he made, made a good movie, I think. Yeah,
1: I yeah. know, for, for, for true. He's uh, very simple with... Oh, yeah, also, too, I liked, I forgot to mention, um, The Sheik's Place, uh, mm. where we where we see the guy come back and he gets nursed to health and he and he draws a picture of the woman and the picture is very funny, I thought, of the of um Aisha. The drawing yeah. he does of her is kind of I don't know, not the best. It looks like something a a young kid would do. I thought that was kind of funny. He made her cross eyed and uh <laughs> that was fun. But but that that place with that fountain, he's used that that place in many Franco films. Okay. Yeah, if you watch Ooh. that, look at it again, it's in like um, uh, the demons, like the nunnery. That's that place, that courtyard with that fountain. And you see it in a, probably about eight or ten Franco films. I'll have to go back <laughs> and look at the ones. Like, okay, so this one, it's in this one. But it's in many, many Franco films I, I recognize. Uh,
2: uh, the, uh, that's typical Franco. You do the same place, but they arranged it a little bit different.
1: Yeah, he does that. He'll dress it different, shoot different yeah. angles, or something. You know, we've seen that with that that place he likes to use too. That has that kind of a arch, and there's a little fountain inside of that area too. He uses that. in in, in uh, uh Sklaven and in a bunch of other films, a uh, Voodoo Passion and stuff. He'll use that one location. So, so yeah, yeah,
2: yeah I'm always impressed with, with how much uh, cool places he got to film for so little money. Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if
1: he shoots with permits or just films, but I was, I was listening to, um, um, Steven Thrower talking on, on one of the last discs and he had talked about, and, uh, Antonio Mayans said during this time period, they would film these movies in about, it would, they would film for one week for about seven days. And then they, the next two weeks after they would do all the sound and all the editing, and then it would be done. So in about three weeks, it took to make one movie.
2: That, that's, uh, that explains why you could do 12, 14 movies in one year.
1: Yeah, you do three weeks, and then that last week, you plan or take a break for a couple of days, you start back again, and, and the next one, and the next one. That's great. And they said that they would have uh, outlines of scenes, and you say what you want, and then they would kind of improv certain dialogue or just... Talk as they go along, so then we go quicker that way too.
2: Yeah. Typical <laughs> Franco.
1: Yeah, very, very cool. So the last 14 minutes we have all the zombies come out and uh we see them on the dunes in the background, the silhouette looks really, really good. Uh long shots of that, really good tension when they're trying to save themselves and they have to get all the gasoline out of the Jeep and they have to pour a circle around themselves a uh, yeah. ring of fire, you know, uh, Opala de Fuego. <laughs> yeah. So they had the ring of fire and, and then they have to protect themselves because the fire will keep the zombies away. And they do the Molotov cocktails, the Pepsi bottles, throw them in there with the gasoline. And um, um, so, yeah, we see all the zombies. We see the bug eye like we talked about the, the, and the Morpho and the Fulci zombies. And the organ music in this scene is very good. You hear like a piano organ, Very scary. And, uh, I
2: like I like the music overall in this movie. It was very simplistic, but very effective.
1: Yeah, not a lot of jazz, just one jazz song at the very end, but the rest was all hmm. kind of Middle Eastern music and a, and a lot of organ uh, music, like, a, like a, hmm. a Hammond organ.
2: And Daniel White. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It? Daniel White does this one. And then on the Spanish version, uh, La Tumba Moreto's Vivantes, it is, yeah. It's a mix of the music from Macumba Sexual and Devil Hunter is the music they use on this one.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm going to get it too. but, uh, but Unfortunately, no subtitles.
1: Yeah, I'm not and sure. What... I haven't watched it yet. It's Spanish. I thought it has subtitles, but I'll see. I, I haven't looked at it yet.
2: Yeah, um, but so but at I, the very I,
1: end... I, Go
2: ahead. I need to get it. I need to get that uh, the other cut, the Spanish cut.
1: Yeah, I mean, who knows? It might be put out soon on Blu-ray. You know, if you buy the the cheap one, then the, then the good one will come out a couple months later. You know, yeah, I'll,
2: I'll that's typical. Oh, that's typical.
1: Very, very much. <laughs> I've been finding that myself. Um, so, then the very end, we see the light comes up, and all the zombies are killed. Some disappear, some are burned, and uh, then the sheik comes out and he says to the boy, and this is the message, you know, did you find what you were looking for? And the guy goes, I mostly found myself. So it's yeah. kind of a very moral of the story, and he ties it together, which makes it more than just a, a zombie movie with nothing. At least there's a kind of a message, you know. And he doesn't yeah. take any of the gold, he just leaves, and then he just figures it's, it's not worth it. And then it just says the end at the end of the movie, and Black screen with white letters. It's like tacked on. Yeah.
2: Uh, I noticed.
1: Yes.
2: I noticed the, the end the, the, on, on the black screen.
1: Okay, so yours is the same. Yeah, it looked like they added yeah. it after, you know, from something, yeah. you know. All right, well, I'm going to go over the Franco list real quick and mm. check off the stuff that we do and, and what's not here. Uh, number one, body of water. Yeah, we see that one in the very beginning when the girls are driving up in the Jeep. Yeah, uh, Number two and three, sailboats and boats. There's no boats at all in this movie. Zero no. boats.
2: Very uh, very, uh, very un- untypical. So yes, the, yeah.
1: Well, also, too, boats are almost like dreams. And in this film, there's really no dreams. It's just, uh, well, maybe the dream of gold. But, yeah, it's, it's very just land, everything, you know. It makes sense. It's an oasis, a desert. You wouldn't have boats in a desert. So, you know. Yeah. Um, number four, palm trees. Yes. Five, jungle sound effects. Yeah, we have the tigers and the birds and the jungle sounds. Uh, Number six, chained up person. No, there's no chained up people in this film. No. Number seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. No no on this one. Uh, Number eight, club scenes, dancing at a bar. Nope. Number nine, jazz music. Just the one song at the end. Uh, Number 10, uh, excessive zooms. A few, not crazy, but there's a few on the zombie's faces, you know, he shows each one. Uh,
2: I I noticed that he filmed the spider four times.
1: Oh, yeah, every time. Yeah, every every time that I was laughing, I go, oh, here's that gold spider again, you know, it shows up.
2: Uh, Very very cool. Yeah, it's
1: funny. He goes, oh, here's this close-up of the spider web, and then the the sound of the comb, and then the hand coming up, or... I also liked the desert shifting. You see the sand coming down the hill. I thought that was very cool, you know? uh Uh, Okay, so we have uh, out-of-focus shots, 11, a few. Number 12, mirror shots. I didn't see any mirrors in this film. No Uh, mirrors. Number 13, mind control theme. Well, I guess no, but the zombies are part of the gold, so if they mess with the gold, they're controlled by the gold. But no, I say no, but a little bit. Uh, fourteen magic tongue scenes. Well, there's no Lena, so there's no no magic tongue.
2: No, uh, unfortunately.
1: I know no Lena. In this that was sad. Uh, fifteen red light no. Sixteen sheepskin rug or the masturbation scenes. No, nothing like that in this one. Uh, seventeen mad scientist and servant no. Eighteen fish tank shots no. Nineteen talking parrot. There's a parrot, but not. But he doesn't talk. We mm-hmm. see him in the sheik's place. Uh, number 20, end credits, yes or no? It says yes, the end we talked about. Uh, 11, handwritten signs or stuff of the film, no. Uh, 22, spiral staircase, no. Uh, 23, inept cops, no. 24, belly chains, no. Uh, 25, kinks, no. 26, great headboards, no. Number 27, fear or desire? Uh, desire, they all desire the gold and the treasure, yeah. the deal. Uh, twenty-eight acoustic guitar player, no, and finally twenty-nine reading a book scene. Yes, the guy reads yeah. his father's book to find out all the clues of the treasure and everything.
2: Yeah, you know, his diary. Yeah, there yes, his there you
1: go, his diary, and, and so you see that, and that's very important. Same as in Night of Open Sex, where they use the two books to make the clues. So, in these last two films, books are very important to find the treasure that they're looking for, almost like yeah. the Gold Bug. And that's maybe why the spider looks kind of gold, too, as he was zooming in on that spider. It looks kind of like a gold spider almost, you know, with the light, the sunlight coming in, so...
2: yeah, Very beautiful shot.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's almost his, the gold bug that uh, Edgar Allan Poe little deal, so... Yeah. But,
2: uh, when you mentioned Lena, she's in the Spanish cut. she's in yeah, the, she's in the Spanish, Spanish cut. She yeah.
1: replaces one of the characters, one of the female characters. I don't know if it's his girlfriend... Or The Professor's Daughter. I don't know which one she plays, but one of those two, I'm sure.
2: And I also read uh, somewhere online that one of the zombies is played by Franco himself.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I'll have to go back and watch now. I'll have to see. Yeah. I kind of want to yeah, I... look like him a little bit with the sideburns, because I know what he looked like in this period. He was clean-shaven and had his hair kind of like mine and stuff, So, and a little bitty sideburn. So I think I might have seen him now that you mentioned that. That's mm-hmm. that's funny. I'll have to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah cuz he had oh, yeah. an assistant director and he had another camera operator so he could have played one of the zombies true.
2: Mm, yeah, yeah that's what I said on uh, IMBD. It was he uh, was mentioned as one of the zombies.
1: Oh wow. Yeah, who knows, you know, it might be Chia. Yeah. I'll have to go back now and and look and see if I can try to see, you know. So.
2: Mm. All
1: right, well it looks like we're getting close to our uh zoom time limit here. Are there any uh final words or anything you would like to say about this movie?
2: Uh, keep keep the Franco spirit alive. That's the most important thing.
1: Yeah, and also too, the most important thing I think is don't believe what you hear. You know, if somebody says yeah. the movie's bad, watch it yourself. Have your own mind. Yes. Think, think about what you think. And if it's bad, you say it's bad. If it's good, it's good. And and yeah. you know, me and you, we we both love a lot of Franco, and maybe we're a little uh, biased because we like Franco. Yeah, yeah. But of course. But there's Franco movies that I don't like and I'll say, oh, I I don't like this movie and blah, 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 but whatever. But no, this movie I enjoyed and I thought it was fun. Way better than I
2: thought. It's a good uh, rule in life. Always uh, checking out uh, in person instead of listening to all the other people trashing and saying shit.
1: Yeah, and also vice versa. There's people that say things are so good and you watch it and you go, that's not very good. You're just just hyper or whatever, you know.
2: Uh I've experienced it several times in both music and movies and everything. If people are praising it, uh, I and mean, when you check it out, uh, no, no, no.
1: Yeah, no, it's very, very bad. So, yeah. righty. well. Uh, as we're recording this right now, it's uh, in the morning time over here. What time is it over where you are?
2: Seven o'clock in the evening.
1: Okay, I'm at uh, about eight o'clock or uh, nine o'clock in the morning here. So.
2: Yeah, almost, uh, almost ten, ten hours. Yeah, yeah about
1: ten hours. Yeah, okay, good. But so it's not too, too bad. I didn't know if it was like two a.m. or something. I should have looked, no. to see, but no, I wanted to ask you, so you
2: know. No, the, the perfect time. Yeah, it's, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Because I just get up, and you're just kind of getting ready to settle down for the evening. So.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I'm a night night owl. I, I never, I'm an up to, four, or five o'clock in the night each night.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, no, I I get up uh, about 5 a.m. every morning, and I go to bed about 9 o'clock every night somewhere, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I have to work, then I got to stay up later, you know.
2: Yeah, I, I used to do the same when I was younger, when I was in a, in a regular job. But now, yeah, yeah. Not, no, I'm, not, I'm a night person.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No,
2: that's
1: good. So, so. All righty. Well, thank you again for joining us on the Oasis of the Zombies. So uh, yeah. let's keep Franco's spirit alive, and I know you're very active on on uh, keeping Franco's spirit alive on the internet.
2: Uh, I, I do so, my I, best, I,
1: I do and, I hope,
2: and I hope I can be back to do more reviews in the future.
1: Yes, definitely. We we definitely have a lot of films ahead of us, so I will definitely get a hold of you again, and we will do another yeah. Jess Franco film.
2: Thanks. Thanks. Thank All right. You have a good night. Bye bye. Bye bye.